If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 349 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheen, joined today by the Sol Bamba of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, uh, as we talk about a big week coming up, especially in the world of mixed martial arts. And at the end of this podcast, I will hand it over to Sean Sheen himself to talk you through uh, Hermanson versus Strickland and all the goings on uh, from uh, last night in the world of, uh, of mixed martial arts. So uh, before we get into all of that, we must tell you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by our friends over at Manscaped and Valentine's Day is coming up now very soon and the new year has just passed. Uh, So Manscaped are working harder than ever to ensure that Valentine's Day and this year is one to remember. Don't turn this day of romance into Independence Day um, and get in control with the performance package 4.0, which includes... The Lawnmower 4.0. This February, join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. So go to manscaped.com and use the code SEVERMA for 20% off and free shipping. Contrary to proper belief, love is not blind when you can see past the love jungle. So the Performance Package 4.0 will leave you with more dating app notifications and Cupid has arrows. The uh, This lovely bundle comes equipped with the best tools needed to freshen up for your night out. As I mentioned, that lawnmower 4.0 is an electric shimmer, the advanced skin safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts on your delicate nuts, 4000K uh, LED spotlight, which is bright enough to shine your light on love this year. Education breeds confidence, so it's time to get educated on the ultimate grooming routine. The performance package also includes the Weed Whacker, which helps you cut your uh, ear and nose hair, and two free gifts as well, the Shared Travel Bag and the Anti-Chafing Boxers. That travel bag will finally be able to use a gun to Bellator here in a couple of weeks as well. Two liquid formulations in as well, the Crop uh, crop Preserver, first of all, the Ball Deodorant, which I just came out to show before we did the podcast and I used it, and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner as well, you can use in a few hours after it. Absolutely brilliant stuff altogether. Not, let's not just focus on the southern region. Manscaped Refined Cologne is a cherry on top for the perfect date package. Pepe Le Pew approved. It offers a masculine yet light scent that will leave your lady speechless. Manscaped has you covered. It's Valentine's Day. Get yourself a gift that you and your date will both appreciate. So go to manscaped.com for an exclusive offer and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SEVEREMAN. That free shipping is absolutely brilliant. You can't buy love, but you can buy a clean pair of balls. 20% off free shipping with the code SEVEREMAN at manscaped.com. Code SEVEREMAN at manscaped.com. Help tame that love jungle you have in your pants with our friends over at Manscaped. All right, Graham. Let's uh, let's get straight into it now. Okay, we leave uh, as I said uh, at the start of the podcast. We leave the um, uh, the the, the la- yesterday's fights until the end of the podcast. You know what? We leave next week's fights as well for another second. Joe, I want to start off this podcast talking about for a, a couple of minutes here. Is the Ultimate Fighter now? The Ultimate Fighter is a thing that uh, we we've only so much space to cover stuff here on the Severe May podcast. You know, we talk more on uh, on tough and uh, on sorry on Patreon and different things. Oh, also before we start, if you're a Patreon, we have this issue every week, and I think everyone has it on Patreon because I was listening to um, I think it was Sean Ross Sapsen as well with uh, Revolut and cards going out and stuff as well. People just get like automatically taken off of Patreon even if you don't cancel. So if you're on Patreon, just have a look please at your uh, settings. Maybe you got a new card or something because we literally have uh, nearly 40% of our patrons are just stuck in limbo. If you want to cancel, absolutely cancel. If you want to keep going, we really appreciate you. So it's no problem that way. But it's people literally just stuck in limbo and it's been a problem since we started up with it. We haven't mentioned it much because I hate, I don't like 
talking about stuff like that, but it it's a weird situation for everyone because I know probably there's some people out there who are not getting our podcast and like what what's happening here. So please have a look. Um, if, look if you want to cancel, cancel no no problem with that. If you want to keep going, please do and uh, just have a look. So uh, and if you want to sign up new, please do as well. There's uh, we passed the thousand mark of podcasts. There's loads of them you um you know you can go back on and uh, and listen to. And Graham, you're twelve years of severe May. I know you've twelve or sorry ten years of severe May. You've twelve episodes up. They're fantastic. There's another one coming up in a couple of weeks. But anyway, we forget about that. Go over to patreon.com for our severe my podcast. Please have a look at your settings if you are one of those people who kind of stuck in limbo and uh, maybe we'll be able to uh, get everyone uh, going in the right direction or wherever they're going. Anyway, uh, let's get into uh, to tough. So it was announced this week that uh, Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes will be coaching tough. Um, it's going to be female flyweights and male heavyweights. I think I kind of half heard of one of the male uh, heavyweights and then Cameron brother as well, if I'm not mistaken, is in it. Didn't know any of the flyweights. That's not to say they're not good fighters or anything, but they seem to be this and very, very uh, inexperienced people. I don't think any of them have like double-digit wins in either of the weight classes. Uh, I put up a thing last night that um, Alexi Olnik has 20 more fights than all the heavyweights combined wins and losses. <laughs> so that'll, that'll tell you wh- where we are at the moment. And Tough really was... It was never that you know it was the best fighters outside of the ufc uh coming together to fight to get a contract in the ufc it wasn't well you know, it hasn't been that for a no, long, yeah, long yeah, time I, that's what i'm saying but that's what it was before i remember watching a clip from like an old episode of tough. like there's a lot of of new fans as well and they mightn't understand how important tough was or how good tough was but it's weird when i saw this announcement i was like I've kind of gone long enough without watching Tough now that I actually might give it a chance a little bit as well. I didn't watch a single second of the last season, and there's probably, you know, four or five seasons where I haven't watched any of it. Now, if there's an Irish person yeah. or someone around, I, I, think, might... I think I honestly think the last time I watched any of Tough, even like, you know, a minute, even a clip from Tough was when Pendred and Chris Fields were on the show. Like, um, that was just because they were on the show. It's just the same format over and over. And maybe it's changed. I don't think it has, but maybe it's changed while I haven't been watching it. But a little bit of tweaking with it, just so it's not so formulaic, especially when you have, you know, as you mentioned, the fighters are kind of inexperienced. They're not exactly, you know, guys who are knocking down the door to UFC to get a contract like it used to be. So, uh, like it's good they have um, Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena as the coaches, but I just see this. You know, people might watch an episode or two, and then they'll just remember, "Oh, I've seen this like twenty seasons of this already," and kind of lose interest. Yeah, and I feel like that's what's going to probably happen with me again. Um, we can take bets on how many episodes Sean lasts <laughs> before he burns out, and probably, it's just a job to watch tough. Probably like it's just a matter of pride them. because you don't want to lose. Like <laughs> the weird thing was, the tough kind of recaps are something I would read before, like when I wasn't watching the seasons, because I kind of wanted to keep up with it a bit, but it was very hard. You like we we so much to watch and things these days, and so much to do, and I'm recording an awful lot and things these days. It's very it's very hard to get it all. I'm not complaining or anything. It just is. There's just so much stuff. I know the PFL contender series thing is starting as well but on, on just tough itself right if i know there's a lot of new fans actually listening you know people have come in say since the mcgregor era and even a little bit before and there's a lot of pandemic fans here as oh, well yeah, sorry well obviously i watched the, the tough season with mcgregor sorry yeah. i said uh, pendred and fields earlier yeah but but um it tough you like Tough used to be special. It used to be something I would look forward to. It used to be something that you know we would we would want to see. And w- also, there was a time where it became a bit a bit bland and a bit samey samey. And then we wanted to see changes, and we wanted to see back season. Yeah, that that was a really good season, and people were calling for that for a long time. And that would be you know a lot more interesting to I think everybody involved. Like to see how these people interact in the house and the people who they actually know and have followed their careers for a while and have been in the UFC before and and all that, you know, I think it got to a stage where a lot of people were when they were watching tough they were just skipping through the kind of house drama and just going to the the fights. I, I think now, the big issue now though is like we have no drama and it's just these milk toast and the fights don't matter as well, so there's no yeah. point even tuning in for the fights now that, yeah. that's what I was going to go on to so now like when you know looking at the ladies records here uh, Chantel uh, Coates or Quates 2-1 and one, and Juliana Miller 2-1 and one, Claire Guthrie 3-1 and one, you know these are fights you, they, you could miss them and it would make no difference so, you know these are not even if you never heard the result it, it doesn't matter feels like 
the tough fights have been replaced by like mid-level UFC fights. Like the the likes of the the you know people who came like a Kyle Bender or Chris Fields back when they were fighting, they would be in the UFC now with their records, you know? And they'd be fighting... Oh, yeah. Cage Warriors champions and all that stuff. They wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's not... It's Remember they had a whole season, I think it was the 125 season, and all of them were champions. And that wasn't that long ago. So it's just... It's it's not the show it was anymore. And I feel like they need to change it. They need to do something with it. Like, I, and the point I was kind of making there earlier on was we always kind of strived for maybe something different to make it uh, better or, or to kind of bring it back. Now it just feels like no one even cares and no one's even watching it. And it, when you, you know, when you go online and, and tough is on for the last few seasons, there's no one even talking about it or anything like that. So the Dana White and you, series, you know, the coaches are great fighters and it's like all that stuff. And it's, uh, it probably make the, the pay-per-view do a, when they rematch do better numbers, but do they have the personalities to, to keep people interested? Uh, I, if I don't think fights uh, aren't, aren't of a good quality. <laughs> I don't I think don't Pena think so. does. Pena definitely does. And anyway, like Pena is going to put people off of anything. I don't think, uh, I like, I like Amanda Nunes and I don't mind Pena either. She's just a fucking weirdo nut job. But, uh, Amanda Nunes, I don't think is the best personality in the world. But you know what? It might be good for Amanda Nunes because people don't know her. You know, Ariel's kind of always given out she never does interviews and stuff, which is, you know, if, if you want to be the, a big star in media savvy and everything, that's what you should be doing. And she just doesn't do it. So getting herself out not there even like that, though. this. If you want to get paid the most, if you yeah. want to get paid close to what you deserve or anywhere near that, you need to, you need to do that stuff. Yeah, so it might, it might be important for her, but... It, and it also might be a thing that if people, you know, talk about it and they hear Julia or uh, Amanda Nunes is kind of saying stuff and being a character, maybe it's something you will uh, you will tune in for. But I just, I just don't think it is that the show has like it feels like everyone. Look, it happens an awful lot in life. I always say with with Netflix uh, TV shows, right? The first season on a Netflix TV show now these days is this group of people who have no money, who are doing something like really exceptional or really funny or really in crazy, right? And in the second series of every Netflix documentary is rich people going around dealing with how they're their fame is affecting them that's what it is and that and it, feel, and it feels like you know if anyone watched that series cheer it's about cheerleaders and stuff it's, it's a bit of a crazy season the whole last season okay there was there was controversy and all one of them was caught for sexual abuse and stuff but aside from that even their their main uh their main their coach and stuff was uh she went to like dancing with the stars and they were all like had having to balance uh you know all, all these things and also like not hang up, acting up to the cameras and they were being like very very quiet and not saying anything controversial it feels like tough is like that now everyone knows what they're in for everyone knows like you know no one wants to be the next Matt Hughes and tough no one wants to put themselves out there like that no one wants to be the next uh, Junie Browning or anything there's going to be no one and or I even Rich Franklin you know and yeah. made fun of yeah exactly exactly uh, no one wants to be that we all kind of know what it is and that's taking away the luster from it like, a lot of people used to complain oh there's too much drama and there's too much bollocks in the house household but there came, there came uh, a time where we'd so many fights on that the fights in tough weren't special anymore because before when there was only four or six or ten events a year having tough on every week for ten weeks or whatever it was was fantastic like ten ten weeks in a row with fights that was amazing now the next eight weeks in a row we've UFC every week then we have one week break and then we have another seven in a, in a row I think after that it's just not exceptional anymore and the that's why I think they have they should change tough like they should change tough and do a Dana White contender series as tough or something like that because what they have at the moment is not going to work like and and not to just come on and say you know the same thing that everyone else says in tough and everything like that I think there can be a place for it they can keep the name but they have to find the new guys and rather than just giving up on it let's roll back about five years and talk about like new ideas to make it better maybe it's a comeback season again or something like that where all the fighters are known or I saw people saying you know fighters actually in the UFC getting paid well to be on tough and having fights there's loads of fighters that would love to fight you know over and over and over again but you know having young up and coming fighters in that house all the time is not is not what it is designed for it never was designed for that and it's not going to work that way uh, and to also to get the fighters to be stars is not going to work either because they know they're they know what's going on and they know you know the um what the show is about so yeah it's, it's just not going to work anyway we, i said we start off with something a little bit uh different this week because um you know 
there are uh, <laughs> there are things that pop up. It's been a quiet while, like in terms of news and everything like that. Do you know one other thing as well that I wanted to touch on before we uh, jump into the fights next week? See, um, see, Max Holloway has like been declared fit and is going to like cut weight to be a backup fighter for the title fight that he pulled out of. That is bizarre. What, what's your take on Max Holloway? Like Max Holloway over the last few years, he had that incident where Bisping saw basically that he was uh, allegedly concussed or injured anyway, or whatever one you want to call it. Then he was out for a while. He came back and he looked great. Um, and now he has this again. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying it's concussion related or anything like that, but it just all feels a bit odd with Max Holloway the last while, doesn't it, Graham? Yeah, well, I thought he kind of got over that. Maybe it's unrelated, you know. Maybe he just picked up an injury and he said to the UFC, here, this injury is going to be touch and go if I'm going to make it or not. And they said, here, we're we're not taking that risk. We're going to take you out of the fight. And turns out he got, you know, got back to training quicker and now he's the alternate. Maybe that's how it happened and it's completely unrelated, but it's hard to really know. But, uh, yeah, that the incident with Bisping or the incident with the weight cut when Bisping called him out on it and stuff was definitely worrying. Uh, and I had definitely some... Uh, uh, you know, worries about him going forward after that. But he seems to, you know, inside the cage anyway, seems to have shown that uh, no ill effects from that that I can see anyway. So, you know, with Max Holloway, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt here to maybe that this is, you know, until we hear more that this is unrelated and maybe just a, an injury that he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make it with. I, I think if he's fit, just give him the shot. Like, if you wanted to do that anyway, and now I didn't think they should have done that anyway, I think it's, I, I actually don't think it's a blessing in disguise, because if they're giving him the shot next, you're just wasting time. You might as well just give it to him now, like, I, I don't know, I, I don't think it makes much sense, especially the fact that we're still a good bit out from the fight, it's not like it's in, in two or three weeks or anything like that, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a very bizarre, very bizarre one altogether, even give him another fight or whatever, if he can be fit, let's do it, but, uh, yeah, it's just a weird situation. Yeah, you would think if he, maybe he thought he needs surgery and didn't need surgery or something, but you, you would think, yeah. as you're saying, that once it's kind of been established that he's going to be fit, that they could just, you know, say, sorry about that, we're going to we're going to pay you to be an alternate. It is a thing as well with the UFC, like, Max Holloway could have said that to them, and they were like, well, okay, you're not going to be fit, we have to move on, we have to find someone else, and Max Holloway was like, grand... And then it just popped up and it was fine. And now, I actually, I just let me reiterate again. I, I'm not saying it's connected to, a, you know, a concussion or a wake cut or anything like that. I'm, I'm merely saying there's been a litany of things over the last few, not a litany, but a few things over the last years. You know, it could have been a freaking, you know, a torn hamstring for all I know. I've, I've absolutely no idea. But um, yeah. Anyway, I said, I said to mention as I just because uh, that's I thought that was bizarre. You know, we live in a in a very bizarre sport, I suppose. But that was one of the most bizarre stories, uh, I suppose we've heard in a while. But um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the massive UFC two seven one card coming up this weekend. Oh, what a card. What a card this is from, from top to bottom. Absolutely fantastic. Even very, very low down on the card. You have, you know, a few undefeated fighters. You have AJ Dobson, who's 6-0. and You have Mike Mathena, 3-0. Um, you have some very, very experienced fighters as well. Silva de Andrade with over 30 fights. Fighting uh, Sergey Mozarov with over 20 fights. Then you have Carlos Alberg, who's been very, very exciting. Hinata Maikana versus Alexander Hernandez. What a fight that is. Um, um, I re- William Knight, that big muscle-bound madman, uh, he's on this card as well. Your favourite fighter, Matt Schnell. Ooh, Matt Schnell. <laughs> go on, go on, sing more. Can't you smell Matt Schnell? <laughs> he's fighting Alex Perez, Roxanne Mataferi in allegedly her uh, retirement fight, fighting Ireland's own Casey O'Neill. Andrew well, Lasky. Sorry, if, if, Matt, if you listen to the podcast, come out to... Ooh, that smell by Leonard Skinner, so we know. Yeah, so we know. So, <laughs> just so we know. So we know. Kyler Phillips is on the card. Bobby Green versus Nazrat Hakbaraz. What a fight that is. Jared Cannonier, Derek Brunson, tied to Avassa, Derek Lewis. And in the main event, Israel Adisanya versus Robert Whitaker, the former champion. Oh, I, I love, love this card so much. Not to big it up or anything. I know we're supposed to be unbiased. This is my unbiased opinion, though. This is... Oh, what a card. Cause, like, and there mightn't be that many stars on it, per se, even top to bottom, but there are just so many good fights. What, what one is, is standing out to you? What one will you be? If you fell asleep in the middle of, uh, of the night, what would be the first one you'll be watching on, on Sunday morning? Oh, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the Adesanya Whitaker rematch. Uh, uh, aside from that, most, though, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, besides that, uh, maybe uh, Cannoneer and Brunson, or, you know, even Hackbarass and Bobby, is it Bobby Green. There's, there's some very good fights there. Um, 
I'd probably go, yeah, I'd probably go with Cannoneer and Brunson. It's, it's a really interesting Very matchup. Interesting. They're both like, they're both, uh, they're both on kind of a roll and they're both, they're both interesting matchups for each other and it could go a lot of ways this fight I'm very interesting, interested to see how it looks and, yeah. and how it turns out I, I actually watched um, I did a rewatch Cannoneer versus Hermanson there the other day because obviously the Hermanson fight was coming up this weekend um, and I, I was kind of thinking about it afterwards when I saw the, this fight was, was happening next week and you know what I, I feel like I feel like Cannoneer might struggle a little bit against a guy like Brunson uh, early doors anyway, because Brunson, but look, Brunson isn't as wild as he once was. I think he's training in Sanford MMA now, so he's he's fighting more technically and, and more intelligently, and as, as we've but seen. But he's still, he's still unorthodox. Yeah, and he a bit, is, yeah. Yeah, janky. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> the the Dean Amin, Keith Jardine to him. <laughs> he does, he does. But Hermanson had a, like, Hermanson had a bit of success when he was like that, when he was a bit janky, when he was a bit weird in it, when Cannoneer was able to kind of take the initiative and land a few jabs down through the middle, that was when um, Hermanson had a few problems. And I, I feel like if Brunson can turn it into a bit of a wild fight with, with, with a big proviso of, like, don't get hit in that wild fight, um, I, think he, I, I think he can have an, have an advantage. Uh, it's difficult as well sometimes to tell, but I think he'll have an advantage, especially in the clinch and in the wrestling as well. I, I um, I'll be talking more about this fight and watching more tape on it coming up here as well. We we're actually sprung on this podcast a little bit early, but I haven't watched Cannoneer there recently. We, I bit of Brunson there not too long ago as well. It it really is a fight that I think, but look, both of them enjoy landing the right shot kind of at the right time in a mad fight you know or Cannoneer maybe likes it a little bit more uh, controlled but he's happy to do it in all, all different sorts of ways I think uh, and, and I feel like they're, the fact that Brunson has kind of changed and fighting a more controlled game means this will be a, two very similar sort of, of game plans if you want to put it that way against each other with maybe a little bit more wrestling on Brunson's side but that will decide as well probably who fights for the title next uh, you know we'll, 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 uh, we'll t- talk later about the, the Strickland and Hermanson and uh, fight and how that worked out, but that could be really the, the decider for um, for for the title, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Another one that could be a decider for the title as well is the co-main event: Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivasa. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with John Jones and with uh, Francis and with interim titles and Gagne and Stipe and all of that. So look, if Derek Lewis goes in there and wins again. He's not too far away. He's never too far away, Derek Lewis is, especially if it's an interim title and you know he's willing to take a fight. You know, a lot of the heavyweights at the very top aren't willing to take a fight, and rightly so in a lot of different uh, respects. But Taito Ivasa as well, he's been on a great run recently, probably one of the stars of, like, the lockdown MMA just because of the the shoeys and the, the madness and walking out the Barbie girl and different things like that. And he has a, he has a chance here. Like, this is... I find this fight very hard to pick. I haven't looked at the betting odds yet, but uh, I, I think Derek Lewis will probably be a favourite, but uh, Tai Tuivasa is a good boxer, hit hard, hits hard, and he will be the type of fighter that Derek Lewis usually doesn't face in that people usually want to like put Derek Lewis on the back foot or put him on, on his arse or whatever. Tai Tuivasa will be absolutely happy to stand and trade with Derek Lewis, you know, and he won't be dancing around him, say, like a Seattle Gagne or someone would. Um, so that'd be fun. What, what, what do you think? I, I think yeah. someone's getting knocked out, I'd say. Someone is getting knocked out. Yeah, I think Derek Lewis will probably be the one doing the knocking out, but, you know, it definitely is a, a, an interesting fight. It's a big step up for Tuivasa. You know, he, he's been fighting good guys on his way up, but... Yeah, not the the level of competition that Derek Lewis has been facing and Derek Lewis recently we, we kind of maybe were uh, unsure whether losing the weight and kind of going to a more technical style or uh, all the kind of changes in his game that he's made over the last few years we didn't know if it would really work and maybe he should stick to being the kind of the guy who looks for the the one punch crazy power finish and he seems to be able to to kind of mold the two into one recently and I think you know uh, from what we've seen before I'd expect him to um, show again that he's he's developing even more and he hasn't lost that power he's shown that I think this is maybe a little bit too much for Tuivasa I think you know he might give some problems to Derek Lewis early and you know he does have big power so I wouldn't be that surprised if, if he's able to put Lewis away but if I was a betting man, I'd definitely be uh, putting money on, or I'd definitely be backing Lewis to 
be the one doing the knocking out. But, you know, in a, in a big heavyweight fight with two guys who, as you said, are willing to exchange on the feet, anything can happen. But, you know, Derek Lewis, I think he, I think he hits different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he does. But Tui Vasa hits very hard as well. Like the problem both of these lads usually have is that people will will not want to face them in that sort of fight. They won't want to go toe-to-toe landing shots. As I said, they'll either want to take them down or dance around them, both guys. And uh, whenever that doesn't happen, they usually both get knockouts, you know? Um, so it, I think it'd be very interesting. Like, I do think Tuivasa is the better uh, technical striker, and he hits really, really hard as well. It's not as if it's just a technical striker against a guy who's getting better technically and can hit, has power for days. I think they're both of power for this. I, I don't know. I would, I'd be leaning slightly to Tuivasa, but maybe Derek Lewis will come out and take him down and fucking wrestle him all day. If I, if I was in Derek Lewis's yeah. corner, that's probably what I'd be telling him to do. Like, but yeah, you know, probably look like back to those kind of that Junior DeSantos, Ivanov, uh, Spivak, Spivak fights, and you know uh, he Tuivasa still has to prove to me. Like you know, whenever Stefan Struve, Hunsucker, Greg Hardy, they're good wins. Sakai, they're good wins, but they're they're definitely no Derek Lewis, and I think. You know, he's he's stepping up again, and he's got a he's got to answer a lot of questions. And I think Derek Lewis has looked very sharp recently. The sharpest he's ever looked. He he seems to be over the kind of back problems that seem to haunt him for years. And I I think I think this is going to be Derek Lewis's fight. But as you said, when you when you uh, when you hit as hard as uh, two of Vasa does, as either of these guys do, like you know, heavyweights always hit hard. But these guys, I think, probably are uh, hitting harder than the average heavyweight. So. Derek Lewis gets into exchanges and that's what he wants to get into it's 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 obviously playing with fire and then it could go either way but uh, yeah as I said I think Derek Lewis will, will get the job done it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be a Derek Lewis fight if I didn't incorrectly pick him so <laughs> you know you know I always pick against Derek Lewis and he almost always wins so take uh, take my pick in that one with a, a but, bit but of like you know if you think about how far he's come since like you mentioned on yeah. Twitter there we've been doing this podcast for seven years I think I've been doing it with you for about four or five and you know we, we we talked about Derek Lewis a lot and criticised him a lot and kind of laughed at him a bit and, you know made jokes like you know nothing too harsh or anything but you know we didn't really take him too seriously maybe and you know the Derek Lewis that's here now and the Derek Lewis back then is a completely different beast yeah way way better fighter couldn't give enough props to Derek Lewis and I'm really looking forward to you know that's uh one of the fights I'm looking forward to the most on it, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, let's touch on a couple more before we get to the main event. One I'm very interested in is Nazrat Hakparas versus Bobby Green. Like, I feel like Green is a great uh, yardstick for where you are in that division. And Hakparas, you know, he's 13 and 4 now in his career. When he came into the OC, I was like, he, he's on the, the kind of the fast track to the top, but he's had those, you know, the setbacks Martin held, beat him by decision. He lost to Drew Dober and then Dan Hooker as well. Uh, I think that was, was that last time out it was, yeah. So that was that was a setback for him there. He's only, you know, he hasn't been able to get a big run together. But the Bobby Green fight is the sort of fight that I think... Um, I think will we'll suit both guys, to be honest. But I think it's a massive, massive test for the kind of the boxing acumen of both guys and who who will win the boxing kind of game. I, I think it's a, like a similar rough one to the to the comment of it which we, we we both talked about. Like Bobby Green, he reminds me a little bit of, of Sean Strickland. You know, he's a bit mad, he's a character, but he has unbelievably good boxing skills. Hackbrass is a little more well... Well, not, not a little more well-rounded. He fights in a more well-rounded manner, I would say. Uh, but he can box very, very well as well. You know, it's one of those ones where... I, I'd say Hackbrass will probably be a big favourite coming into this, and I'd probably pick him as well. But if I woke up on Sunday morning and I found out that Bobby Green had won, I don't think it would shock me too much either. And if they if they got fight at night, I don't think it would probably shock me too much uh, either as well. I just think this is going to be a really good technical fight. Honestly, if you're if you're to ask me how I would it go, I think it'd probably be 15 minutes. It'll probably be 29, 28, 29, 28, 28, 29. You know, it'll be, it'll be one of them, and uh, and everyone will go home happy. What what do you think of this one? Would you favor Hackparast in it, or or do you think Bobby no, Green's experience? Uh, would you? I I actually think Green. I think you know he's definitely inconsistent, and he's a he's a hard guy to pick with much um much confidence but I think in his last fight against Aya Quinta he Ali Quinta he looked he looked really good and we've seen this in Bobby Green before where he's looked really good and you think oh he's really coming into his own and he comes in and kind of 
doesn't perform or kind of, you know, trash talks while getting punched in the face and stupid things like that. But uh, I think... I think, as you said, this could be a really close fight, some really close rounds, but I think Bobby Green might be able to do enough with his boxing and his jab on the outside. To, uh, sorry, my dogs are going crazy. Here, the dogs but, uh, don't like it. The dogs don't like it, Graham. They're, they're picking yeah, the dogs crunch. aren't happy with that pick, they're but uh, yeah, I'm sticking with Bobby Green, <laughs> even if the dogs disagree. They're a big hack for us. Yeah, it's, um, it's really one I'm, I'm looking forward to as well. You know, the, we, we joked earlier about Matt Schnell, but Matt Schnell is ranked number nine at the moment uh, at uh, 125, and Alex Perez is ranked number four. So that's a big, important fight too. You know, I, I would probably slightly uh, favor Perez there, even though I do believe in Matt Schnell and I believe in his improvements. I, I think Matt Schnell is one of these lads who's like a slow cooker. You know, he, he's a guy I think... He's been around for a long, long, long time, from all the way back in that fucking MTV show back in the day, uh, Danger, Uncaged, do you remember that? And I feel like I, 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 he has improved and improved and improved subtly and steadily, and I think he's not there yet, but I think in two years' time, Matt Schnell, he'll, he'll either be gone from the UFC and cut, or he'll be the champion. You know, I think, I think he's one, I just feel like, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, I feel like he's kind of a slow improver that, you know, just holds on and holds on and holds on and learns and learns and learns and learns, and uh, I, I'm not picking him to win this fight, but if this fight happened in a while down the line, maybe he would, and I, I still would hold hope for him. You know, he's a guy, I, I, I said the same thing about Jamal Hill there recently after he lost to, to Paul Craig. Now, not that um, he was a slow one or anything. I actually think he'll be champion soon. But a loss isn't necessarily the worst thing for some of these people. And I would say that uh, for, for Schnell here. We have to mention Casey O'Neill as well. You know, fighting out of... Uh, he's in Australia via, um, via uh, uh, Scotland. But I'm claiming her as well. I'm big, definitely claiming her. Big win for Scotland in the Six Nations as well over England. Oh, did she, they beat she him? She enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, I, yeah. I half heard of it. Yeah, Ireland won as well. So fair play to him. But yeah, that fight against Roxanne Metaferi. Look, I don't think... Uh, look, it's a good test for her. It ain't no. Absolutely. Roxy's been around for years. What is it? A two-time title challenger? Definitely once anyway. But... um. You know, I I would say that will be pretty straightforward for Casey O'Neill, but we said that once before with uh with Roxanne Mataferi uh, when she went in there with uh, uh, the Macy Barber fight. Macy though Barber, I think yeah. Macy Barber tore ACL in she the first round, there, so that's yeah. a little bit. But you know, anything can happen in MMA is probably what be, you're getting out there, and it's it definitely true. Be. Uh, before right, before we get to the main how, how what you fancy in Mikana versus Hernandez? That's another one I think. Like maybe the technique versus uh, Hernandez's early burst. He's a lad that can kind of slow down. I feel like Mikana will win the third round, and I don't know yeah. what happened in the first two rounds what do you think I think I think he'll probably win the third round and if it go, does go to the third round he'll probably you know win a 2-1 decision or a 3-0 or I don't know what I'm saying like that 29-28 or 30-27 decision but yeah he definitely needs to be careful early but yeah I think he should he sh- if he has a good solid game plan and sticks to it he should win a pretty you know clear cut decision beautiful right let's talk about the the main event um the middleweight title on the line, Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya. Obviously, they fought once before. Oh, it feels it feels like it was yesterday, but it was 2019. So it was three, two and a half years ago. Whitaker has gone on to beat Darren Till, uh, Jared Cannonier, as we mentioned earlier, and Kelvin Gastelum. So he's more than earned uh, his shot at the title again. Adesanya has had a bit of an iffy time since. You know, he obviously went up in weight. And uh, lost to uh, Sean Denny's guy, um, Jan Blahovic. He beat Paulo Costa in kind of a fight that was a bit embarrassing, to be honest. Like, no one never thought Paulo Costa could beat him, I don't think. And he beat Marvin Vittori as well, who's a good challenger. Beat Yoel Romero as well in that one of the most boring fights to ever happen. So, look, he's he's gone 3-1 since. It's not a bad run or anything like that. But uh, I think I think this fight is a lot different to the first one. I think Adesanya has a lot more tape on him now. Obviously, he has a loss as well, which is uh, which is interesting. We'll we'll break down the um, I suppose the X's and O's of the fight maybe in a second. But what have you thought since? Like, if you were to look at, at Adesanya, and he kind of won, you know, r- relatively handily in in the first uh, fight, finishing him uh, midway through the, the second round. I'm sure I'll be doing that in a rewatch this week, so we'll go back and and have a look at it. But um, would you give Robert Whitaker a big chance coming in this or uh, in here, or is this a case of like, oh, he's just a cha- challenger again that has come back around? Well, yeah, I'm picking Adesanya to win it, but I do think Whitaker has a chance. You know, I I don't think he's quite what he was before. You know, when he was at the top before he had kind of knee injuries and had to sit out and stuff like that. But he's definitely still a very dangerous fighter. Uh, 
uh, and definitely very, you know, a big challenge for Adesanya. Probably the the biggest cha- the biggest uh, challenge Adesanya has in the middleweight division. You know, Martin Vitt- Marvin Vittori and and Paulo Costa are good fighters, but they're a lot more limited and less well rounded than Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is going to offer him, uh, he's going to offer questions or he's going to uh, ask him questions everywhere. But I think Adesanya, you know, he's just he's just going to do what he does dance around and land better shots and if he's careful he, sh- he should be able to wear uh, Whitaker down and you know maybe take him out with a, another TKO or, or win a win a decision but you know Whitaker this is a very big fight for Whitaker you know if he doesn't win this fight he's probably not going to get back there I can't see Adesanya uh, losing anytime soon if he doesn't lose to Whitaker here but you never know in MMA you know he, he could he could fall off the, the top at any moment but Whitaker's probably looking at this as a kind of last chance of getting at the title for in the near future um, you know if you have two losses to the same guy and he's on top for a long time it's it's very hard to to put yourself in a position to win this fight but Whitaker has some good wins uh, since he's lost to Adesanya but he hasn't been that active and you know the names on his record down till Cannoneer Gastelum are, are good names but he hasn't looked in my opinion um Robert Whitaker hasn't looked quite the same uh, dynamic-wise and speed-wise. Uh, just, I think, as I said, the injuries have taken a little bit out of him and he's not quite at the peak of his game like he was and I think that's going to be a factor here. I think Adesanya is more, uh, obviously a better striker, but uh, has more, um, how would you say, um, Weapons, yeah, more weapons. But he, he, yeah, he, has, he definitely has more weapons. But he has more um, maybe patience than yeah. he used to have uh, coming up. So maybe that'll make the fight turn into a longer fight than the first one, and maybe a decision. And that's a dangerous thing to do against a rubber Whitaker. He's definitely dangerous to create the fight. But I see more methods of victory and more ways to win for Adesanya here. But it would be nice to see you know Whitaker uh, put it up to him at least and make it a a back and forth fight if he can and yeah. you know if he can do that and land a couple of his own shots it could change everything but I'd be I'd be pretty confident that Adesanya will get it done here Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting I don't necessarily agree with your point that he's he's slowed I think he's changed uh, his game in, in some ways but I think you're, you made a very good point there about this maybe being his last chance because Middleweight's not a great division, you know. Uh, usually in MMA, you're you're a bit foolhardy to say, you know, someone could hold on to this fight for five, six, seven defenses. Yeah, the second but, I said that, I was like, yeah, I've said this before and it's been wrong. But yeah. looking at the names coming up, you know, nobody's really and, standing out to me there. And look, we could both be wrong again. Absolutely, we we both listened back to a podcast from like three years ago, and we were like frightfully wrong. I was saying like Cowboy Cerrone would be called. Somebody was in contact <laughs> asking about using some, and we were like, oh, what do we even say about yeah. that? And go back and listen to it. You're like, oh god. Oh, God, yeah, just the most ridiculous—not ridiculous shit, but like some but, of it's right, but some of it's just yeah. like, oh, oh but it was oh, like no. it was before Colby kind of became Colby, and I was like, look, Cow- and Cowboy was still good, and I was like, look, Cowboy probably beat him, and I'm like, wait, no, actually, he probably wouldn't. But anyway, uh, what are we then saying? But yeah, I, I do look. It is one of those ones where Robert Whitaker and needs to win it, and that adds a lot of pressure. You know, it adds a lot of pressure. They talked about the first one with them being rivals and, you know, obviously they're in a similar part of the world over there and they're fighting to be the dog, you know, the the dominant guy, the big dog, the alpha over there. And that adds something extra to it, you know, and I'm not a big one for mind games and coming into it and all, but when it's, you know, when did they fight back in 2019, as I mentioned, two and a half, three years ago, that is a lot of time to think about someone. That is a lot of time to have, you know, memes coming at you and saying, oh yeah, you're good, but Izzy beat you and all of that. And you know, conversely, it might uh, it might be something that Adesanya overlooks. Anything I beat this guy once, I'll 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 go in and I'll beat him easily again, like Rockhold against uh, Bisping. Now I don't necessarily think he'll do that, but um, it's there's a lot of pressure coming in here in terms of the fight, in terms of your future, but also in terms of like uh, the back and forth. But uh, I, 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 I'll say the tables have kind of turned in a way of yeah. like Adesanya coming up was looking at Whitaker and thinking this is a guy True. I need to yeah. kind of beat and now Whitaker obviously has been looking at this guy he's only lost a middleweight and thinking this is the champion and this is a guy I need to be for the last two and a half years so you know maybe he's been watching and has uh, I'm sure his team and him think they can implement some things that can you know improve their chances from the first fight and things they've seen uh, tells and things they've seen other fighters uh, that have fought Adesanya do that maybe they can implement and stuff like that so yeah. you know there, there could be something me and you are missing here and that 
they they've worked on and they can come out and get it done here and you know Addis, or um Whitaker's back back as champion so you know uh we're obviously we, we watch these fights closely but for people like Whitaker and his camp this is this is everything and they've probably been you know studying this game uh, studying Addis and his game since before the since before they fought the first yeah. time continuing now. And and so is Eugene Behrman and, and Israel Adesanya himself, and they'll be adjusting things as well. So it's not just the adjustments; it's the adjustments to the adjustments are, are going to be big. But like, uh, just to maybe get into those X's and O's and stuff. Like to me, Robert Whitaker, what makes him great is his ability to strike first. And you know, you often hear that in MMA, like be first, be the first fighter. And I, uh, for me, as someone on the outside looking in, someone who who uh, who uh, fancies themselves a bit of a, a tactician in terms of looking at you know the equations, what works and what doesn't work from without the ability or a the, bit of a Ralph Ragnick, uh, a bit of a Ralph Ragnick, yeah, the the, the godfather <laughs> of uh, of MMA tactics, as I like to call myself, uh, but, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> the Shawnee Press is our kind of, but. I think what the Whitaker style is really breaking your attacks down before they happen. You know, he's Robert Whitaker is like a vaccine. You know, <laughs> he he puts some, he, he jabs careful, in there. Careful, careful, you'll, you'll be, you'll be cancelled here. <laughs> yeah, careful, no, careful. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm the opposite. Of <laughs> he like he puts the jab in right, and then the virus comes at him. You know, the shots from the other side come at him. The ones that are going to really hurt him, but they're not as hurtful because he's landed first, and now he's already like protected against yours. That are coming for you. So I'm like, there you go. There's the clip. There's the clip for <laughs> there's the clip for this week. Robert, the vaccine Whitaker. Bobby Nupp, Bobby Nupple, uh, Bobby Knuckles, take it away. Um but yeah, I I, I really think that's what he is. It, and that is something uh, that's the reason why he beat Yoel Romero. Like he fought ten rounds against Yoel Romero and didn't get knocked out. And the reason he did that is because Yoel Romero wins fights with massive big attacks. And Robert Whitaker never let those attacks start because he attacked first. And he broke in there first. And he breaks your rhythm and doesn't allow you. Like, Yoel Romero as well, a very much a rhythm fighter. He'll wait and wait and wait and pounce. And if you're in there and you're here waiting and waiting and waiting and Whitaker pounces, you're, you can't get your pounce out. To do that against Adesanya is a very different thing. Because Adesanya is a more of a, a technical fighter. He's more of a cerebral fighter in terms of like... 15 or 25 minutes of deep thinking deep tactics throughout the fight whereas Joel Romero is a little bit more agricultural I suppose you could say while still being smart while still being very effective um I think that is a harder thing to do that is a harder thing a harder way to win a fight when you're fighting Adesanya because if you strike first then Adesanya will adjust his game no longer be an attacking fighter and be more of a counter fighter which at times he is anyway you know Adesanya can kind of do it all so I think for Whitaker look we know for Adesanya what he wants to do he, he fakes a lot he tries to draw you out he counters you he tries to land big shots he throws with lots of variety I think variety is the most important thing in, in MMA absolutely brilliant um the problem is when he fought uh, someone like a Blahovich who was able to jab very well with him who was as big as him who was as strong as him who was not getting knocked out who has big power and makes him respect him in every area he struggled and then he took him down Robert Whitaker doesn't have the technical ability that Adesanya has he is not going to like outstrike him in a technical striking match over 25 minutes could he turn it into a 25 minute brawl where he's going forward non-stop and, and you know like uh, say a Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos dirty boxing for 25 minutes damage on him in the yeah. first round and he, have him kind of struggling uh, for the rest of the fight yeah. yeah he could absolutely do that but I do think it needs to be a mixture from Robert Whitaker. As you said, put some damage on him in the first round. Put him against the fence. Dirty boxing. Take him down. I think takedowns are huge in this. And we said it many, many, many times in this podcast show the last seven years. It's our anniversary. Happy birthday to us. You, If you don't succeed with a takedown, do not give up on it. You, Robert Whitaker, if he gives up on these takedowns after not getting two or three on Saturday night, he is screwed. He will lose the fight. He, I, I really do think he will lose the fight. And not just, you know, I don't think Robert Whitaker needs 10 takedowns to go in and, and win the fight by any means. Maybe one or two. Or maybe he doesn't need, even need any. But he has to threaten with them. He has to threaten with different things. Because if you don't bring variety against the, the, the If he the makes it a kickboxing match, the chances of him winning it just go so way down. Yeah, so slim. So I think it's, 
it's a very very interesting fight a really really interesting fight I've, I'm a big fan of Robert Whitaker I, I would pick him to beat almost every guy in that middleweight division probably apart from Adesanya and I, I don't even know who I'm picking yet but what way do you break down what, is there like who, if you were to pick both of their methods of victory what would they be uh, I think Adesanya could get the TKO or the decision and Whitaker could get the TKO or the decision. I don't see, I don't really see a submission here unless it's some kind of, you know, knockdown or a very tired situation where, uh, you know, something like that happens. It's definitely like not out of the realms of possibility of a submission, but I'd be very surprised. Uh, so I think both guys definitely have, have ways to win it, but I think... Um, you know, uh, Whitaker kind of has to make it happen more. Uh, Adesanya is going to be going to be happy to kind of you know do what he does and let the fight kind of develop. And I think for for Whitaker, he's he's got to make sure that Adesanya can't get into his rhythm. As you said, you know, even if you can't get the takedown, even if you can just push him up against the cage, even if you can't push push him up against the cage, just the threat of the takedown, just to him to know that if he does overcommit on a strike, that he will face a takedown attempt. You need to put that into Adesanya's head. If he doesn't do that, if as you said, if he if he gets a couple of uh, takedown sh- attempts shrugged off and he just kind of gives up on that, then it's 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 bad news. Like he still has a chance of, of getting the getting a knockout because he does hit hard and you know um, you know Adesanya is a very good striker and all that stuff. But he can get hit and if you hit somebody in the right spot, they they'll go down. So it's definitely there. But he could he could try and win a decision here, but he he needs to, as you said, mix in grappling, push him up against the cage, make it dirty, try wear on him. Uh, you know Kobe Covington like you know what I mean just make it dirty John Fitch yeah. and just grind on him that's going to be hard to do it's not really Whitaker's style um, he has uh, he, he can do a Ken Velasquez sort of style though you know which is yeah. pretty and dirty as well I don't and like even Colby he needs to be able to put damage on him for that though and yeah, yeah. It, there's definitely possibilities of this but yeah I think you know Robert Whitaker's got to make something happen here and he's got to kind of start making making it happen early and if he doesn't do that it's just going to slip away from yeah. through round, after round and round and round and then he's going to need to get desperate and that's when he could end up getting, getting finished and don't forget too Robert Whitaker qualified for the, the Commonwealth Games in wrestling that guy can wrestle he's absolutely no more that was before the knee injury as well though but was, uh, definitely yeah, the, the, te- the technique is there the technique yeah. is there definitely yeah. very interesting uh, right another big fight as well next week uh, one championship or one FC I refuse to call him one championship um, have, have a car and there's lots of kickboxing and, and different things on it but the main event is uh, Bibiana Fernandez versus John Lineker what a fucking fight that is and I've been a massive fan of Bibiana Fernandez for years and years and years unfortunately we, we never got to see him in the UFC but he has been you know he's what is he 24 and 4 now he's beaten some you know some good guys down through the years beating the likes of Martin Gwynn and, and others as well while never kind of being able to come over and maybe have that massive fight you know he's beaten Joe Warren as well uh, back in the day and he fought Uriah Faber very early in his career so uh, I, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to that you know John Lineker is always exciting um, and five rounds of that I'll sign me up for that any day I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh, I, I would pick Bibiana Fernandez I think to win it I think I, I don't think like Bibiana's a bit older now as well I don't think maybe he is what he used to be I haven't seen loads of him recently but what I have seen I don't think he is that special fight like I I genuinely think Bibiana Fernandez at one stage he would have come into the UFC and been champion. I thought I that's how much I rated him. I think he was really, really good. Um but uh, and I, I He hasn't been that active as well recently yeah. and you know, a few I think dodgy he had, enough uh, decisions in there yeah, as well. I, I think he had an issue with the promotion or something and that's why he wasn't fighting, so but that never helps, you know, being inactive. So who would you pick to win that one? Uh, it's a tough one like uh, I, Bibiana, Bibiana Fernandez definitely like you know he definitely as you said he was a big prospect that never really came to fruition and no, I never really made the move over and we never really probably will never know uh, how good he actually was or is but if you look at his record there's a few you know Reese McLaren he won, won a split decision there in 2016 and that was only like what five fights ago for him and then he has Martin Nguyen split decision win and lost to Kevin Bellington by split decision then fought Kevin Bellington twice again and beat him both times and hasn't fought in you know two and a half years since then so yeah I think John Lineker has obviously been more active and uh uh, maybe he's not fighting the best guys either, but I'd probably just lean towards John Lineker to get it done by decision. But yeah, it's, it's hard to know. Beautiful. Right, let me throw it over to Sean Sheehan to tell you about um, uh, Sean Strickland versus Jack Romanson. Take it away, Shawnee. Uh, thank you very much, Shawnee. Welcome back here to a very, very, very stormy Newcastle West as we take you through uh, 
the uh, Hermanson versus Strickland card. And you know what? It was a card that started off really, really well. Halfway through it, I was taking my notes and I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a, a little fun into the podcast here when I pop on at uh, 3.22 a.m. Uh, but it took a bit of a turn, <laughs> to be honest. It was very, very good and then turned into very boring for the most part as we got towards the uh, the main card. So let me run it, run you through it and some of the... Uh, uh, some of the big outcomes, I suppose, from the card, and I, I'll give a bit of a, bit of a, be- a bigger breakdown then of the main card. So Malcolm Gordon versus uh, Dennis Bonder opened up the card. That ended in a really gruesome arm injury where Bondar's arm actually snapped after he was in an armbar, and then he went to post. Armbar? Armbar? And then he went to post uh, from kind of a takedown or a transition, and it snapped. Now, it was one of those ones where if you saw it by itself, you're like, oh, how did that happen? Um... And it wasn't as if he... Tw- like, it wasn't, you know, the McGregor one where he broke his uh, ankle and it kind of twisted in that fashion. Um, it, wa- it, it wasn't one like that. It wasn't like in a twisted motion. It was just, literally just kind of laying it down and it's and it snapped. But it was already dislocated, I would say, and it was already in bad shape. But, uh, yeah, he ended up losing that. And there was a... You know, <laughs> Gordon was attacking and attacking all the time. I said it a lot before. When you see guys... Uh, our ladies were kind of, you know, uh, new entries into the UFC or maybe a little bit lower level. Now, these guys have both have good records. They both have around 20 fights. And, uh, you know, one has 14 wins, one has 16 wins. So, not the lowest of levels. And I'm not, I'm not uh, criticizing them at all. You do see more transitions with the, you know, jujitsu or wrestling, wrestling transitions that give more opportunities to get uh, in arm bars and things like that. And, uh, you know, that's what happened here regarding Kahneman one. Uh, and ended up winning the fight uh, with that. The second fight of the night uh, was um, Jason Witt against Philip Rowe. Jason Witt managed to get Rowe down for the whole of the first round. Looked like he was dominating him there, but Rowe came out vicious, precise knockout at the very start uh, of the second round. Only what? Well, no, it was at, not at the very start. It was halfway through the round, but beautiful, precise one-two right down the middle. Absolutely put Jason Witt to sleep. So a beautiful, beautiful KO there and a good comeback as well. You know, you see a lot of people when they're taken down and they're being out-wrestled not being able to, to make it back up and come back, but he absolutely did. Same couldn't be said for Danilo Marquez, who was completely out-wrestled and destroyed by Jailton Almeida, who moves to 15-2. and two. This guy looks like the real deal. I saw a few people call him the Brazilian Habib, and that's all you need to know about him. He is so strong on top. He is legitimate. And he's a 205 pounder as well. So that division is not the best. Uh, and he's uh, strong. If he, if you're out muscling other 205ers in, in the way he does, you know you're strong. And he, he definitely... So he's a 100% one to look out for. He won by a ground and pound. Vicious ground and pound uh, in the end there. So very, very good stuff uh, from, uh, from him. Uh, I predicted Alexis Davis would win by decision against uh, Julia... Stoliarenko, and that's exactly what she did. And wrestling is how I predicted she'd do it as well, and she did that as well. Won the first and third. Uh, very close second. Uh, the first was close as well. I thought Stoliarenko had her in a very, very good armbar at one stage, but there was lots of effective grappling. Well, at two stages, she had her in armbars, but one stage, very, very effective. Uh, and a lot of effective striking as well from Davis. Uh, this fight started off well and got kind of progressively worse, I would say, early. Um, Stolly Rinko kind of bloodied up Davis. They both had big red heads in the second. Davis looked like a cherry coming out for the third round, or in the middle of the second round, even. But uh, she did enough to win uh, the unanimous decision there. Not too much to write home about, but a good solid win for uh, for Alexis Davis coming back again. The star at night undoubtedly was Chidi Ijekwani, Bang Bang, the brother of uh, you know Anthony Ijekwani, who's been around the UFC for years. Fought a couple of weeks ago as well on um, uh, Eagle FC, uh, but Chidi looked really good here. Came out one in sixteen seconds. It was uh, it was almost too easy for him. One two right down the middle. Bang Bang, Chidi wins in sixteen seconds. So a very very good win there for him. Hakim Dawudin. No, he's such a good fighter, and we, you know, we talked about in the pre-show uh, over on YouTube with Spencer, and he kind of said, you know, his nickname is mean. He needs to be a little bit more mean, and that's the thing with Dawudu. If he did get a little bit more mean, if he was more of a finisher, if he, if he it just feels he's trying to be too smart and too precise and too, you know, too fancy. If he was, a, he needs a bit of dog in him. He needs a little bit of dog in him. If he gets that in his career, this guy could go all the way. Um, Beat Mike Trezano over three rounds. 
you know, nothing much to, to write home about. Um, then the John Castaneda fight, lots of forward pressure in that one from him, lots of shots. Reminding me of Robert Whitaker versus Joel Romero, where Miles Johns was waiting and waiting and waiting on the back foot and, the, the, you know, for the big strike and the big knockout, and it never came. But you know who did come for? Come for John Castaneda who got the finish in the third round, and it was all about that pressure and all about putting Miles Johns in the back foot, and it got him a great win there. Fight at night without a shadow of a doubt, as I predicted, Julian Rosa versus Steven Peterson. Um, just what can you say about this on a brilliant fight? First round for, for Rosa. The second round, Rosa almost got finished, but didn't almost finish Peterson with a spinning back fist. For me, it is 1-1 entering uh, the third uh, but Arosa did do enough, I think, in the third. Very, very close, right up until the end. Well, I thought Arosa just did about enough. Split decision. I, uh, the fight at night, as I'm regarding this, hasn't been announced. But if that's not fight at night, uh, there's something wrong. Rubbish fight at night goes to Brian Battle versus Treshawn Gore. 3-1 and one against 7-1. and one. And then Bra- Battle came out and he was like, I'm the real tough champion. And he had his... It was one of the most embarrassing things ever. He had his tough trophy with him. And he was, like, talking about the picks from the start of Tough and everything. Like, oh, my God. He was, like, Al Bundy talking about his high school fucking football. So one of one of the most embarrassing post-fight interviews I've ever seen in the history of the UFC. No one has watched this season of Tough. No one gives a shit apart from you. Like, you're supposed to be a tough champion. You're supposed to be, like, a really good fighter coming through. Let's talk about, the, you know, the, the middleweight championship. Let's talk about who you're going to be fighting next. Not, let's not talk about some fucking coach who picked you two years ago on a show that no one watched with a stupid fucking glass trophy like get over yourself awful anyway uh, Brendan Allen in on two days notice beat Sam Alvey Alvey was actually throwing more in this fight than he does normally and he caught Brendan Allen a few times but Allen he just walked through every single shot it looks so easy for him you know uh, Allen hurt him late in round one as well almost finished him Alvey did land a couple of shots and I wouldn't say that Allen hurt at any stage but definitely landed a few um, then in round two Allen came out he went low to the body and then right over the top and hurt Sam Alvey badly uh, went to the ground got him in the rear neck a choke and there was nothing Sam Alvey could do so I think Alvey's lost seven of his last eight in the UFC and that will be that for Sam Alvey in the UFC unfortunately what a run what a run for Sam Alvey but um, there you go it ends the star tonight as everyone predicted without a shadow of a doubt is Shavak- Shavkat Rachmanov learn how to say that name Memorize it, spell it R A K H M O N O V, because this guy is going all the way. He's fifteen and all, one seventy. It's a stacked one seventy division. You're coming up against Hamza. You're coming up against Sean Brady. You're coming up against uh, Colby. You're coming up against Kamaru Usman, uh, Gilbert Burns, and all the rest of Vicente Luque Wonderboy. But this guy has it all. He can wrestle. His transitions are amazing. His throws. His his striking is fantastic. He can hit hard. Oh, he 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 really does have it all. And Carton Harris, I I kind of said on the on the po- on the pre-show, I didn't think he was a great prospect or a great fighter. He did well, I thought tonight. He tried. No, he's, I just still don't think he's a great fighter. Uh, but Rachmanov is miles ahead of lots of people in that division. I would say he's miles ahead of everyone, bar maybe four or five people in that division, honestly. I think he can go right in there, right at the very top of that division and cause problems for people. This guy is legit. If you don't know him, if you don't know him, you need to know him. Shavkat Rachmanov, look him up, watch that fight from last night. This guy is legit. Then the co-main event, two Dana White Contender Series alums, 8-0 and 8-2, Nick Maximov, Punehele Soriano, one of the most boring fights you'll ever see in your life. Um, Maximov kind of took him down for three rounds. I'm not even going to talk anymore about this. Soriano landed a few shots early, uh, probably did enough to win the first. Some people are saying he did enough to win the second. I think they're taking judging a bit too literally if you're saying that. Uh, but you know you can argue it absolutely. There's an argument there, but uh, I I honestly don't give a shit. Uh, it was a split decision, a terrible, terrible fight. Just uh, like you you got to you got to this right, and you had Battle versus Gore on the uh, to open up the main card. Was it to open up the main card? No, you Rosa was a great fight. So Rosa Peterson opened up the main card, great fight, and he Gore versus Battle, awful. Like Sam Alvey on to getting beaten on two days' notice. Rachmanov in really a squash match, but that was fun. But then you'd Maximov, just the most boring fight of all time. Uh, and then you came to the main event. And honestly, this was another poor, poor fight. Um, number six and number seven, I think, ranked middleweights in the world. 
and uh, it says all you need to know about the middleweight division. Like I've kind of been half joking, half serious in the last few weeks, talking about the middleweight division being absolutely rubbish. Uh, and look, look, both of these guys are, are good fighters and all that, but and, and lots of the guys in the middleweight division are good fighters. But if you look at the level of the number six and seven ranked in other divisions, it is streaks, streets, streets away from this. Like, let's let's run through a few of them here. Uh, the number seven and eight ranked in the, uh, let's just pick out a division here, featherweight, Arlen Allen and Jiga Chikadze. Anyway, Tony Ferguson, Dan Hooker, maybe not Tony Ferguson, but it's still Wonder by Thompson, Neil Magny, you know, oh, Dominic Reyes and Volkan Ozdemir, even at heavyweight, fucking Christoph, well, maybe not heavyweight, but, um, you know, Tisha Torres and Michelle Waterson, Joanne Wood, Andrea Lee, someone was saying flyweight, actually, oh, flyweight was bad, jo- Joanne Wood and, and Andrea Lee, uh, Jessica, like, Okay, maybe. But, oh, this division is so bad. This division is so bad. But this fight... Look, the first round, I'll run you through. Jack Manson just couldn't take him down. Uh, I thought the jabs were enough for uh, for Shawnee, Shawnee S, Shawnee Strickland. Second round, just jab and jab and jab and jab. Lay knockdown as well, absolutely took the round. It was relatively close, but the, the knockdown absolutely took it. No takedown attempts. Third round, just all Sean Strickland... Nothing to be said about it. Fourth round, it was better from Jack Hermanson, but still, he kind of got jabbed up for most of it. Uh, Close round, and the fifth was probably the most close round, apart from the first. Um, uh, Sean uh, Strickland ended up getting a bloody nose, uh, but then towards the last minute, kind of hit him with a few shots, and then with 10 seconds to go in the shittiest division in the UFC, like, says, come on, let's throw down hands, starts calling her man's in a pussy, and then the fight ends. It was like, all right, why didn't you do that in the rest of the fucking fight if you're so tough? Like, it was embarrassing stuff. One judge gave three rounds to um, to her Manson. Now, I haven't got him yet. I would guess it was one, four, and five, um, which you actually could argue, honestly, but it looks, it looks like the worst card of the year. Uh, but it was such a bad fight uh, that... Um, <laughs> I don't even I don't even care to be honest. I honestly don't care. I I look for it here. I'll, pa- I'll pause this in a second and see uh see if it came up. It did actually come up here now. So let's uh let's look. Oh, so it was one one three and five that uh, Sal Gimato had it for um so the third round. Yeah, I have in my notes here just all Sean. So not a great not great that third round. Yeah, yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with that. Look, the right man won the fight. Um it, it, it was a good display from Sean Strickland in that he fought really safe, took almost no shots until the fifth round, uh, and won at a canter, you know? Um, is this going to take him to a fight against uh, Whitaker or to Adesanya and beat them? I would say no. Like, even if you look at a Cannoneer or, uh, or a Brunson fighting next week, like, Brunson is not just going to stand there and take it like uh, uh, like Hermanson did. He's not going to give up on his takedowns. Um, Cannoneer is an interesting one because sometimes he shows up and he's really good, but I could see him getting jabbed apart, honestly, by uh, by Strickland, but he is a lot bigger than him as well. Like, I actually believed in Strickland's ability more after the last fight than I did after this one, which is odd, but... Um, you know, I'm not going to criticise him too much. It was just a bad fight and... He, he It was a fight that he could have made a lot easier than himself, but that he didn't. And Hermanson, I thought it was a dreadful display by Hermanson. Uh, myself and Graham, I think we talked earlier on this podcast, even about um, Whitaker not giving up on takedown at him. Sorry, just in general, people not giving up on him. And this guy gave up on him after the first round. And Bisping was saying, oh, why wouldn't you give up on him? They're not working. Keep going to get him to work. Do different things. You don't have to go for like a double leg from halfway across the cage every time. Try a single leg. Try running the pipe. Try pushing him against the cage and body locking him. Try pulling guard. Try fucking anything rather than standing on the feet for five rounds getting the head jabbed off you. Try anything. Uh, and he just didn't. He fought a losing fight. Let's be honest here. And he he lost. And he deserved to lose. Uh, it was it was a bad display. And Sean Strickland deserved to win. So, you know that's the card. From top to bottom, uh, there wasn't much more in it than that. I thought the commentary was really, really good. Uh, Brendan Fitzgerald, Paul Felder, and uh, Michael Bisping obviously had a few judging mishaps and things like that in terms of the commentary. But overall, very, very good, very enjoyable to watch. 
And to be honest, I really enjoyed the card for the most part. The end was a bit grueling. Uh, at least I'm getting early to bed. And early to bed is like half four, so not too bad. But um, all right, everyone. Uh, I will leave it there. As again, uh, I said... Um, just a quick reminder if you are signed up on patreon please check like your payment details because there's like a glitch on the the patreon website or if you have a new card or your revolut like doesn't send you a notification or something some people have notifications turned off if you could turn on those notifications it'd be absolutely fantastic really really appreciate appreciate it and if you haven't signed up now be a great time i've got full time and we've lost like 20 percent of our patreon people's like kind of need it <laughs> Not to be begging here or anything, but fucking sign up, please. Uh, I have a new computer coming next week as well, so hopefully we'll have more um, stuff in different ways on different platforms. So if you want to support that, you know, maybe more videos and stuff like that. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully coming. Um, well, I, 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 sorry, I ordered my thing last week. Hopefully it'll be coming in the next two to three weeks and maybe after Bellator in, once I get everything set up and everything like that. So by the time March comes, hopefully I'll have a... Uh, kind of changed the game a little bit and things will be getting uh you know going up and the quality of stuff will be going up but the quality's been pretty good and there's a thousand podcasts up on patreon right now so if you sign up there you can listen to all thousand of them it's the very start of the month still here so you have a good time uh you have a good time to do it now uh all right uh enough of the begging enough of the giving out thanks everyone for listening if you haven't uh, clicked to subscribe on this yet it's free wherever you're listening to this if it's soundcloud itunes spotify uh, please just click subscribe, click the notification thing. It only comes up once a week, so you're not going to be getting notifications all day, every day or every week. We literally only release a podcast once a week. So if you're on the audio feed of this, click the notification. It'll come up on a Sunday and you can listen to it, you know, while you're playing a few games of FIFA or while you're on the road to drive, you know, back home from college or, you know, if you're going to training or if you're doing a bit of gardening or whatever you're doing, you can listen to the Severe MMA podcast. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening on the seventh anniversary of the Severe MMA podcast. I will tell you, we will see you all next Tuesday or Sunday.